You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Is there really much to say about what happened this last week, Nick? Well, first of all, happy holidays. You know, hope you had a good time with you and your family, and the, I know it's a very busy time of year for you. And I mostly enjoyed Christmas Eve, everything about it besides football. <laughs> so <laughs> what a, uh, a putrid showing. Yep. Really one of the, I mean, I, this doesn't seem like a team that has quit on Vance Joseph, but this game honestly had me questioning it. Um, that's something that's at least he had going for him before this game. And I don't know if I'd still say they quit on him because there's still guys obviously out there playing hard, but I don't know if they're playing for him at this point. And it's right. pretty obvious that um, playing, you know, for themselves, you know, that's, that's a big, obviously you need to, you got to take care of you and yourself first and foremost, before you can worry about other stuff. But yeah, it's a, uh, we got one more week to go. We're going to talk about that here, but yikes, this is a, uh, not the way we hoped the season would go. And after, you know, getting six and six on the season after two good wins against the Steelers and the chargers, you know, we're back down here in the dumps and looking like a team that only improved one game off of last season. So, uh, here we are. It's unfortunate. I, mean, I think this team, if you didn't have the injuries to Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel Sanders, we might be talking a little bit differently, but you are what your record says. And right now the Broncos are 6-9 and nine and very likely to be 6-10 and 10 given another injury and facing a, re- a really good AFC team coming off a loss and pretty much a much, must-win game for them. I can't disagree with any of that. And, and happy holidays to you too, sir. And uh, like I said, it, everything was good but football. Yeah. And it just... <sighs> This is a season of what if. Yeah. There were some th- some very close things that were happening that looked really good. This rookie class showing well. And last few weeks, it's just completely falling apart. And it's just hard to get too excited because there's there's just not much even to cheer for in this last game for the Broncos. But it's, it's one of those, for us, I guess we do kind of get excited because uh, the, the Building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos especially as it relates to the upcoming NFL draft and team building with Nick and myself being armchair GMs. We'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week and every single episode from scouting the enemy player value scheme and personnel fits. And of course, some general football related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dummler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football and you can follow the podcast, Twitter account at huddle up pod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners, so as a call to action, please go and take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Well, I mean, do you want to spend much time talking about this past week? 
I feel like we got to spend some time talking on it. So yeah. we should get to our our studs, our stocks, stock reports, studs and duds, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, maybe just uh, two up and two down. You know, keep it a little bit, a little bit shorter. You know, it is the the holiday season, and didn't have a chance to go back and review the game. Honestly, didn't want to go back and review the game. <laughs> but, uh, yikes! You know, yeah. I, um, but yeah, stock up for me. First guy, I'm gonna say somebody that I'm planning on writing an article about this week, but uh, Devontae Booker, somebody that I really think should be getting more usage in this offense. And now that Philip Lindsay is down for the season with like just a silly injury. I mean, I don't know. Not silly because it happens, but like I've never even heard of this happening before. Apparently it's an injury that's pretty common in skiers. So I guess that's a good place to have that in Denver. If you're going to have that kind of injury in rehab, but yeah, just a ridiculous injury. But my number one uh, stock up for this week, I'm going to go with Devontae Booker. He only rushed the ball three times, but 21 yards on the ground. He's been, honestly, I think since Philip Lindsay's kind of slowed down, I know this is going to be blasphemy. Some people are going to really disagree with me because people dislike Booker, but I think he's been the better-looking running back in the backfield over the last couple weeks and much better-looking than Royce Freeman. I mean, I'm sorry, but Royce Freeman has looked really slow. He's looked like wearing that number 28 being a little bit slow. He looked like Monte ball back there. Maybe it's the ankle issue is pretty serious, but I'm going to go stock up with uh, Devante Booker. And I think he's looked pretty good. And I'm excited to see him more this week against the chargers. I think he's, he deserves more touches and if they trade him or not, they keep him. I think there's value for him going forward. And I've been impressed with his limited touches. I mean, he had three carries for 21 yards, right? Seven, seven yards per carry. But right. his long was only nine. So it's not like he busted off a run for 20 yards and only got one yard for every single other rush. He had some, he was running consistently well there. Limited touches. I get it. I get it. But still, that, that means something to me, as well as three catches for 21 yards. So I don't know. I think stock up for Booker. I think he's somebody that people were, the organization maybe relied too much on early on. People were having higher hopes and then he let them down. But now people really undervalue him. So number one for me, Devontae Booker. And then number two for me, I'm going to go with Deshaun Hamilton. Uh, nine targets, six, six catches, and only 40 yards. And But had his touchdown. I believe it was the first touchdown of his career. And he had a pretty good game. And I'm excited for him going forward. You know, is he going to be a wide receiver two for this team? He's probably better off as a wide receiver three just because he lacks some explosiveness. But there is hope for him being a solid contributor. And I thought he's looked better and better every single week since Sanders has gone down. So stock up for Deshaun Hamilton for me as well. Uh, good choices. I, I'm going to go his playing partner there, Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Six catches for 65 yards, another touchdown, and a, a nice touchdown catch that I uh, in the, in that game, and just starting to look a little bit more like he could actually emerge as their their number one wide receiver moving forward. And I'm seeing a little bit better on his route running. I'm just like kind of like Deshaun Hamilton. He's improving too since Sanders went down and showing up a little bit more. And and like I said, just proven to be maybe that number one target moving forward. So I'm, I'm excited about him. My number two guy, I kind of went back and forth on this a little bit, but I'll, I'll go Adam Gotsis. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think he's he's done pretty well. I mean, he's, he's actually showing well as a pass rusher these last few games. That's the the main thing that's really stuck out with him is he is one of the few guys up the the middle of of the defense, especially looking at the Raiders. I mean, they had their, their interior guys pretty much injured pretty bad in this game. And so I was expecting a little bit more from some of the other guys, but Adam Gatsis is the one guy that continues just to play with his heart uh, out there and just, like I said, he just seems to be improving and he's a guy that I think they can really move forward, especially at that interior position. 
Who's been better down the stretch? Shelby Harris or Adam Gotsis? If we're just talking the last three games, I'd say Gotsis. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's incredibly close either. Gotsis has been one of the better players on that defensive front. And did yeah. you see his uh, post-game quote? I did not. He was talking about how the players um, really just haven't been putting in the, you know, they have to take it on themselves to put in the work and that the defensive line has been doing it. You know, he didn't directly call anybody else out, but he made it sound like uh, the defensive line is not super happy with how the rest of everyone has been playing. So, yeah, rightfully so. The defensive line, like I've been saying, has been keeping this unit afloat <laughs> as far as the, the defense goes. Definitely not the back seven. They have issues there. But, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. I think Gatsis has been playing pretty well. Here's the direct quote um, from Kyle Fredrickson on Twitter. I got that blue check mark, so you know he's legit. <laughs> <laughs> I think from Adam Gatsis. I think a lot of guys need to take a reality check and see where you're at. Look at what you can do to help the team. I know, especially on our defensive line, we haven't stopped. That's one thing we take pride in. And that just shows our work ethic in the room, both in the film room and on the field. So, yeah, Adam Gotts is calling him out, and I do not mind it. And this is the point where you got to question everything, right? From the coaching to your own teammates, and you got to look in the mirror as well. And I think the defensive line, if anybody on this team really deserves to point the finger at anybody else, if you're including the edge rushers as the defensive line. Right. Uh, those, those are the guys that are the, the best on this team. I, yeah, I can't disagree with you. I mean, the, they've definitely held that defense together and kept it from looking much, much worse than that it could have been. I yeah. mean, they, they <laughs> it could have been real bad this year. Some of those guys went down with injury. So yeah. kudos to, to him. And like I said, I, I think he's one of those guys. I, I mean, I wouldn't sign him to a long-term contract this year, but he's definitely one of those guys I I could see the team being willing to invest in for the future of that defensive line. He just seems to be getting better each year. Uh, He was already pretty good stopping the run. And like I said, it just seems like it's been clicking here lately in the past game. I'm seeing him throw guys to the side. I'm seeing him actually use some pass rush moves before. It just seemed like he always wanted to bull rush his guy right back into the quarterback. And obviously that only works every once in a while but he yeah. seems to actually be doing a few more things. And so he's a guy I'm, I'm willing to say, Hey, he deserves a, he deserves more time here in Denver. And I think some of his better days are ahead of him for sure. Yep. And he will be on his last year of his contract next year, along with Shelby Harris. Right. So worth, worth monitoring going forward. Yeah. Well, looking at some of the guys for me, stock down, I mean, case Keenum, I mean, he, yeah how can you not have him on the list after throwing two picks and just he, throws. He is, I, I know uh, you keep hearing a lot of these people talk about, well, case Keenum has to step up his game. Case Keenum is showing exactly what he is. I, I don't know how else you can really say that. It just, he's not, he's not going to be the savior here in Denver. Nope. He's not You're, even going to be Jake Plummer. Right. Exactly. And you need, uh, you would send something, and, and you've said this many times throughout the year, Case Keenum is one of those guys, he needs a perfect team around him to become a, a playoff contender. And right now the Broncos just don't know, have enough pieces around him to counter his weaknesses. And then you throw in, you have coaches who don't really know how to use him. It just, it's a downhill battle for from there. And it just, it's not look good. And I just very, very disappointed in 
some of his game because I, I thought he'd be better than what he is. I, I, I didn't expect him to be this incredible quarterback or anything like that, but I expected better than bottom five quarterback in the league. I mean, that's just my, my personal opinion, but <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, maybe, I don't know. Cause at least maybe not the bottom five quarterback in the league, but at a bottom five quarterback situation, given there is practically no upside, like at least with like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, when they have erratic play and whatnot, there's that youth and that upside that they can grow on. I mean, Keenum's already 31, 32, like he is what it is. Right. So. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, uh, can't disagree. You want another stock down? Do you want to stick with the one? I'll, I'll just go with the one. I'll, I'll try to keep it not from being a completely down <laughs> down podcast here for us. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I, I kind of touched on it earlier, but Royce Freeman for me, um, another week he looked just totally pedestrian, averaged three yards a carry, seven yards, and he had one target in the past game. He just looks slow. He's not hitting the hole very hard. His movement, his lateral quickness is not great, and he's looking like a plotter. So it could be the ankle issue. I'm not sure about that. I, you know, I, he was the pick I was absolutely most skeptical of this past draft class because I just thought he was a limited player. And I mean, if you're taking a running back round three, I'm looking for you know not off field issues aside, but you know, Cream Hunt level and Alvin Kamara level. I know those guys were hits as far as play playing on the field, but you know, he just does not look anything special to me. And he hasn't looked anything special since the first half of the season. I'm not sure if it's the rookie wall. I'm not sure if it's an injury, but he just does not look great. I think Booker has looked much better down the stretch than he has. So um, definitely Royce Freeman for me. And then another one for me would have to be the uh, the interior offensive line. I mean, the Broncos did end up getting 100 yards, but I got, you know Connor McGovern. I think he's he's flashed at center, but he's not been great. Billy Turner's been okay, but Elijah Wilkinson. Maybe there's a chance he can develop in something down the stretch, but I thought he looked overmatched there. Uh, PJ Hall gave him all he could handle, and he was struggling to work against uh, Hankins, especially anytime he had one-on-one. He needed he needed a lot of help, and it kind of changed what the Broncos could do as far as uh, picking up blitzes and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, those would be those would be my two. But there's I mean there's plenty of <laughs> stock downs here. I mean the entire coaching staff probably outside of like Kugler and uh, Azani and uh, obviously Bill Collar, but yeah, this is a it's a bad loss. It's a bad team. Uh, obviously, losing Chris Harris Jr. and Emmanuel Sanders, the probably the I would argue the fourth and fifth most important players on this team. Um, you know, before when the Broncos were starting to win, and then they lost both those guys bef- when they had that win streak going. That totally changed things and set the season a different path. But we're at where we're at. It's a uh, it's unfortunate, but you know what? That means we can start looking forward to the draft season and getting this thing back on track, which that really matters. Uh, moving on now from the to the forward progress to the loss of down section. Um, for me, forward progress this week. Uh, honestly, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be kind of uh, I guess I don't want to say petty. That's the wrong word. But the forward progress is the Broncos have a better draft pick, which is um, that's uh. They, Can I use that one too? <laughs> if you want, yeah. Well, I got a double one here. I- the forward progress is the Broncos have a better draft pick, but also the Raiders have a worse draft pick. In my opinion, there are three elite tier players in this draft class, and they're all on the defensive line. You got Nick Bosa, you got Quinnen Williams, and you got Ed Oliver. And the Raiders before this week, before the win over the Broncos, they were picking two. They had a chance they could get Nick Bosa or maybe even Quinnen Williams, even though they took some defensive tackles or Ed Oliver. And now they're picking number four overall. So that's uh, that's a win. Keeping Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa and probably at Oliver as well. Although I'm curious to see what the NFL will think about him, given his 
play weight that apparently he plays at close to 275, not the 290 that he's listed on ESPN. But keeping those guys out of Oakland, I think, is a uh, a win for Denver in the long term, even though it sucks to lose a game against the Raiders. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there. Uh, yeah. I, I guess, I mean, one thing that I'll, I will say, some of the young guys did step up, like we talked about yeah. with Sutton and Hamilton. Even Tim Patrick kind of had some some decent plays there for the Broncos. And so it's kind of nice seeing some of that, that the Broncos can move forward. Unfortunately, with Philip Lindsay getting his injury, uh, I don't know what the timetable exactly is on his return, but uh, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye on that. But no, I mean, th- there's still some nice building pieces that are showing well and still playing pretty hard for the Broncos. And, and that's nice to, to have, at least uh, when you think about a coaching staff coming in, at least the Broncos can sit here and say, hey, look at this rookie class. Let's build around them and let's see what we can do with this team. I mean, it's not like they're the worst roster in football. And so there's at least some promise with some of that. So I'll, I'll give that as my, my stock up for this week. Yeah. I can't disagree. There are some good. Yeah. Yeah. Forward progress. progress, I gotcha. It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I cannot disagree. That's a, that's a good point. Young pieces. I mean, still, I would argue that the, uh, as we've seen, the Cleveland Browns are probably a much better situation which stinks and you got the Packers who have Aaron Rodgers and some also some young pieces that I think people are kind of sleeping on, but yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Um, for me, lost it down this week. I'm going to go back to basics for the huddle up podcast Broncos not executing. And the two main areas where you can see they're not executing on the field from discipline and carrying out game plan. Broncos lost the turnover battle two to zero, which is unacceptable. They gave up a special teams touchdown. Unacceptable. And they really lost the penalty battle this week. 11 penalties for 91 yards. So that's a team that, I mean, they might be out there f- playing hard, but they're not playing smart. And uh, that that was the difference in the game. I mean, the Broncos had more yardage in this game. The time of possession was difference by like 20 seconds. Not a big deal. The Broncos had more first downs. But if you're giving up special teams t- touchdowns, you're giving up losing the turnover battle, and you're getting smacked in the penalty game to the Raiders to the Raiders, who's one of the most undisciplined teams in history. I mean, every year they feel like they're top 10 in penalties, top three, that you're going to lose football games. So just discipline, playing smart was down the toilet this week. Yeah, I was going to mention turnovers. I mean, yeah. it just – there when they were having their nice little win streak going and beating some tough teams, they were protecting the football. Yeah. And it's just like they've gone back to what they were doing when they had that terrible losing streak. And I understand – the team's gotten a little bit more desperate. They don't have quite as much talent because of injuries. All those kind of things that play into it, but they're, they've just been forcing some plays that you're just going, what were you even seeing? I mean, the, there's just nothing there, and they're still, I, I don't know. So it's just been very, very frustrating to see some of of what's been going on with this team. And uh, just like you said, I mean, when they're getting undisciplined, one that, that shines very brightly on the the coaching staff. I mean, th- those are the guys that are supposed to be training up these guys not to, to be doing these stupid things. And left and right, I mean, we're just seeing them completely destroy drives. I mean, how can you score when you're getting that many penalties? And, I mean, you're, you're just making it. I mean, uh, what was that on the interception? It was like third and 26 or something like that. Yeah, just stupid. And there's false start, holding. There's just, yeah, stupid things that didn't need to happen. And led to a, a very, very stupid throw and very, very short field for the Raiders. So it's just not what you hope for when you're seeing this team and, and you're 
makes you have to think that the next coach that's coming in, you're going to want a guy that's going to bring discipline. You're going to want a guy that's going to really get this team back in shape and say, okay, you guys got to, to do whatever you wanted to do this, this last coaching staff. Now we're going to do it my way. Yeah. I speaking of uh, before we move on here, the, uh, the new coaching staff, I mean, everybody should know by now Vance Joseph is moving on after the season. Might probably back to the Bengals going under Marvin Lewis. I don't know what it is with the, the, the Bengals collecting not good coaches. I mean, they got Hugh Jackson. Now they're going to get Vance Joseph. But I'm curious who your pick was for the Broncos coaching staff. I, I, I wrote my piece and been driving and doing family stuff, so I haven't got a chance to read it yet. But uh, who was your pick? If you could pick somebody, you know, maybe a dark horse. We, I tried to write about somebody different, even though we had two or three writers write about David Tobe. So, I mean, come on, guys. But um, who, was your, who was your guy that you went to bat for? I went for Schwartz. Mm, Jim Schwartz. Okay. And and I sit here and talk about discipline, and that was one of his biggest issues when he was in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel true. like he's one of those guys that has really grown since then. Yeah. I, I just think he's – I love his, his, his mind. I was reading an article uh, the other day, and they were talking about he will – like coaches will be trying to leave for the day. And he will call them into his office and say, hey, 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 I'm watching this and I, I just want to kind of talk with you about this and, and uh, kind of teach you something on this. And, and I love it. He's a very big time teaching coach. Yeah. And you look at, I mean, the, the Eagles, since he's been there, they've been a, a very, very good defense. I mean, they helped carry them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they didn't play that great in the Super Bowl. But beyond that, I mean, they really did beyond Nick Foles, I know most people kind of point towards him in that Super Bowl run, but really they, that defense is what got him there. Defense and offensive line. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, he just, he does some things on defense that just make me go, wow, that's pretty smart. And I haven't been able to see it, say that about the Broncos a whole lot here for a while. And I know he'll be head coach. So that's a little bit different, but I, I just think he's one of those guys. He brings an attitude for one. And I think that's something that our defense especially will, will respond to that they haven't had with Vance Joseph. I, I think he's a guy that really holds guys accountable for what they're doing. And I, I just, I don't know. There's something about him that just really sticks out to me. All right. Well, I mean, a lot of times second chance is big for these guys. And, you know, I mean, Bill Belichick's a classic example of that. John Fox, honestly, I would take a John Fox right now, a stabilizer and a team builder. That would be, Huge for this team. I mean, he's not good enough to get you over the hump, you know, most likely. And there yep. was some talk about Peyton Manning saying, you know, this guy's gone or I'm gone when when it came to John Fox kind of holding this team back. But, uh, yeah, I feel like that would be a good stabilizing force for this team. I, I am interested to see what he would do with switching the defense. Uh, in theory, you know, as somebody who likes to play team builder, that would be fun to discuss going from more of a 3-4 to a 4-3. Uh, but... That might not be the best for the team's current roster. And we'll see a lot of guys don't really fit that as well. Like you're talking about Adam Gatsis being a guy that was playing well, playing better down the stretch. I do think he can play three tech, but do you want him there full time where he, I feel like he does his best work at four and five. Honestly, he can do three though. Yeah. So that, that's something to, uh, that's something to think about. Um, for me, I actually went with a dark horse that I know that the Broncos probably will not hire in. But he's somebody that I think they should give a look at. Um, just a little preface here. 
a lot of times, I'm sure many of you listeners know this, if you haven't noticed this trend by now, once I say this, it'll be like, oh, yeah, duh, that makes sense. But teams, when they hire coaches, and you know, no coach typically ever is great forever. You know, at some point, you're going to get fired. You know, the Batman quote: "You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain." That happens with coaches and pretty much all situations. Um, but teams typically, if they go from a, an experienced coach, the if that fails, they'll look for a younger guy. And if the young guy fa- fails, they'll go for the experienced guy. And round and round and round we go. And I think that's stupid. Every single time you're looking for a new head coaching experience, a new head coach, you should look for the best guy that fits you, that blows you off your feet in the interview. I don't care if he's experienced. I don't care if he's green. You, I want to get the best guy in here. And the reason I'm saying this is because the guy I'm saying is kind of green as far as head coaching experience goes. But I really think the Broncos should look at and give a shot to Brian Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer is right now the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. And if you haven't noticed, the Seattle Seahawks have been playing some pretty good smash mouth football. The they they have the best offensive line they've had in a long time. Russell Wilson's actually been one of the least pressured quarterbacks in the league this year. And Schottenheimer, I think has really developed an offense that fits what this team wants to do. They've developed an identity and he's playing their players to their strengths, which is something that just Denver has not done Gosh, when's the last time this offense played their players with strengths? I mean, seriously. And I really like Schottenheimer. I mean, he has some experience around the league. He's been an offensive coordinator uh, for multiple teams. He's been a quarterback coach for the Redskins, the Chargers, the the Colts. So he's been around some good people. He's been an offensive coordinator for the Jets, the Rams, and the Georgia Bulldogs. And he has the, the bloodlines as well. He's the son of Marty Schottenheimer, who was a really good coach for a long time, as well as uh, his uncle is Kurt Schottenheimer. So I've been really impressed with uh, Brian Schottenheimer. I think he's done a really good job turning around that Seattle team. And the Seattle team has been pretty underrated. I mean, a lot of people this season coming into the year thought Seattle was going to be picking top five in the NFL draft. Well, here they are. They, their team, I think they're going to the playoffs. So I think Brian Schottenheimer, maybe he won't be the guy who gets the job, but I would be very interested in giving him an interview and letting him impress me. Something I think the Broncos have done in their last few head coaching searches is that they have their guy before the interviews even started. And I think that's a mistake. You need to actually use the interviews to your advantage. Don't just go through the motions, ask these guys questions, really, you know, fall, let yourself fall in love with somebody. And I would love to see them a do that and give Brian Schottenheimer a chance. I, I like that choice. I really do. Yeah. And I haven't heard many people talk about him. Yeah. No, so. I mean, that, that makes a lot, a lot of sense there. Uh, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. And, and I completely agree I don't think you can go into this coaching hire with a front runner. Yeah. Because I think that makes you biased towards anything that they say, kind of like they did with Vance Joseph. They, they wanted him last time around to be de- defensive coordinator. And obviously that didn't happen, but they really loved his interview from the last time. And they just got really, really set on him. And I know there was some talk that when Shanahan came in, this is Kyle Shanahan that he blew the Broncos away with what he came in with. And I think the, I think the bias towards Vance Joseph really hurt that. And I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan would have been the the right choice at coach, but you're seeing some of the things that he's doing with the 49ers with what now their third or fourth string quarterback. And some of those things I'm saying, you're going, man, that would have been nice here in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't disagree. A little bit of envy there. I'm a little more envious of Sean McVay, but Mike Shanahan would have been a better head coaching can't, choice than Vance Joseph. 
and I've been, you know, critical of fans calling for Mike Shanahan just because I am, I am the, the gate guard of Rosie retrospection, you know, just because he's got the name and everything doesn't mean he's going to be good. That's uh, far too often. Hey, I recognize that person. That means he must be good. Happens all the time in free agency. You know, Oh, Broncos would be better if TJ Ward was still on this team. TJ Ward like played like two snaps for the Bucks. Like it was time to move on. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no, I can't. I am. I'm interested in. We'll see where we go. I'm interested. Interested in a number of guys, but it'll be, it'll be fun to follow. I'm a little bit nervous because I don't love this pool, and we'll see if John Harbaugh does become available. There's talk that he won't. There's talk that he will. Maybe he could be traded. Uh, we'll see. Maybe Mike Tomlin. You know, that's that's a possibility as well. I doubt it, but y- you never know. So, it'll be interesting to follow, and I will. I didn't have much of an opinion on it before, but I figured it was a chance to give a shout out to Schottenheimer, a guy that an offensive mind, a young offensive mind that I think is on the up and up and deserves a shout out at least. Yeah. So, so I, I have a question for you then. Okay. Which is more important to a team head coach or offensive defensive coordinator? I would say uh, for a single season, I would say the offensive and defensive coordinator. But if we're thinking big picture here, I would say the head coach, because if the offensive and defensive coordinators are good, they're going to go. Right. So stability, uh, identity, team structure, I would go for a head coach. But you know, a single season, if you have a great offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, that'll make a world of difference. But if those guys are that good of a difference maker, they're going on to greener pastures, bigger paychecks, more power, better opportunity. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I, the reason I ask that is because honestly, as, as much as we're going to talk about the head coach and who that's going to be, and I, I'm almost more interested in who he brings in as coordinators. Absolutely. Yep. I cannot disagree with you at all. We'll talk about some of those names when that time comes. I am very interested in the, gosh, his name is all of a sudden escaping me. I just had it on me. The, the running game specialist for the 49ers. McDonald? Yeah. Yes, he's somebody that has caught my eye as well. He's not ready for the big time yet of a head coaching position, but he's done a lot of people that I've spoken with speak very highly of him. He's a uh, Shanahan disciple, so he's going to bring that West Coast offense in here, and he's a very smart kid, played some football, went to Yale. So I am uh, I'm interest, I am very interested by him. So we will see, but you know, it totally depends on who the head coach is, but I just hope they get, I hope they get this right because they have not gotten it right for too long at head coach. And the other coaches, unfortunately. Right. But I also hope they don't get rid of some of these positional coaches <laughs> as well. Some of these guys deserve another chance. Running back coach, uh, interior offensive line coach, defensive line coach. Those guys deserve to stick around for another year. I think that I think I, I would add our wide receiver coach. Yes. With how well these rookies are playing here at the end of the year. Yes, I can't. I can't disagree. And okay, now we got to talk about the injuries. The main one we're going to talk about here. Uh, Philip Lindsay injured to his wrist. He's going to be out three to four months. He's probably not going to go to the Pro Bowl, and he might even miss uh, early offseason stuff. Hopefully, he'll be back. O- uh, I think it was OTAs, but he's going to miss some stuff. And you know, the big thing with Lindsay, the 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 smallness factor that a lot of people were worried about. You know, we didn't want to get into too much. You know, he's Mighty Mouse playing great football, but it was going to be durability. And now he has this wrist injury, which is kind of a weird one. Let's be real. I mean, I haven't heard this happening very much with NFL players, so going to be worth monitoring going forward and hopefully this is just a sporadic thing but it, it, i hate to be that guy but it's worth saying like hey like this was this was a reason that he fell in the draft it's not that he's not a good running back it's not that he's fast it's faster than i thought he would be let's be real but it's that size and can he hang in the nfl at that size given durability concerns and this is the uh, the first injury so 
just worth throwing it out there. I don't want to put bad juju on him or sprinkle some negativity over the holidays, but it's uh, it's worth being said. Any other yeah. injuries stick out to you? No, I mean, obviously that's the main one because he has been pretty much our offense all year. Yeah. And so, I mean, you lose that and it's what, what else is there to get too excited about? I mean, like I said, you got the rookie receivers that I'm excited to watch on this last game and see what they can bring to the table. I honestly, at this point, I am getting some of our, our bigger name players, Von Miller. I'm not playing him a whole lot against the chargers. Oh man. Like a preseason week one game. He goes out the first drive. Yep. That's it. I'm sorry. I, uh, maybe that's that's bad. I know people paid for tickets, but like, I'd rather watch Von Miller compete next year. Like, if he t- tore his ACL in a game that didn't matter, oh my God, I'm going to come for somebody's head. Vance <laughs> like, Joseph like, might not make it out of town. Oh, I, I can't I say. Mean, I, I'm not trying to say that would be good, but I'm just, fans would, oh, a riot would break out. That's for sure. Honestly, if they are planning on Case Keenum potentially being a starter next year or a transitional starter to a rookie, maybe they should get Kevin Hogan in there. I mean, gosh, what do they have to lose? Draft position. That's <laughs> that's that's the main thing you got to lose in this game, other than players going down and possibly being out for. I mean, we're seeing it with with uh, Sanders. I mean, he might not even be on the team next year because of the injury he sustained. And and at that time, yes, the team was still in the playoff race and everything else. So that's a little bit different, but you think about that now with, like you said, Von Miller, Derek Wolf, just some of these other guys that you're just like, I know these are future guys for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. I'm playing this more like a preseason game and, and you want to get some of your youth out there, get them some snaps. This is your opportunity. This game has very little meaning and, and the big sense of, of a win, win getting us to somewhere somewhere good. I mean, it gives you some nice, I guess, momentum heading into next year. If you can win a game against a, a tough team like the the chargers, but still beyond that, there's not much advantage of winning this game. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to say here and say, please Broncos lose or anything like that. I'll, I'll cheer for a win every single time. Yeah. But it's still, you got to start thinking about the future too. And, and th- there's more at stake than the, the short term of a, a victory against the chargers. Yeah, last year, the going into the last game of the season, the Broncos had to have some things go their ways. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, kind of a fun fact here. You know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that's also looked like garbage. I mean, a team that's worse than the Broncos. They were a team that was scheduled to pick above the Broncos. They won the Week 17 game. And they went from the fifth overall pick to the ninth overall pick. If they hadn't, Broncos would not have Bradley Chubb today. Bradley Chubb would be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And so that's uh, did they fall? They might have fallen farther than farther than I. They were they were up there and they fell way down. So, yeah, right. yeah, it's uh, it's worth mentioning the draft position. I mean, that's <laughs> I hate to be that guy. I know some fans hate that so much. Probably some people logged off. You know, these people are calling for tanking. We're not calling for tanking. We're just calling for not putting your future dependent veterans out there because you can't lose them for next year. And it's more about evaluating. So, yeah, we'll see. Right now, the Broncos, you know, this is a, a nice little transition here. Actually, we'll come back to this. We'll come back to a little bit of draft talk. We got to talk a little bit of Chargers first. Um, looking over this roster, I mean, like, I can't believe the Chargers got spanked like they did last week. Did you get a chance to watch much of this Chargers-Ravens game? I did, actually. Man, this Ravens defense, give me Ravens-Bears Super Bowl. Screw everyone else. I want it to be 10 to nothing. 
Like they, if that's the final outcome, give it to me. This Ravens defense is playing lights out football. I mean, holding this Chargers team to t- 10 points, that's pretty good. I mean, I know the Chargers mm-hmm. have had some injuries. Uh, Keenan Allen's a little hobbled up, et cetera, et cetera. But man, this is that's a pretty special game. And I think that makes it all the more likely that the Chargers come in this week refocused. You know, this got to take care of business. And especially because the Broncos beat them last time, I think they're going to come in and give the Broncos everything they can handle. And it's going to be maybe a close game, but I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to sustain the, the level of play that the Chargers are going to put up. Right. Well, and that's, uh, I remember somebody posted something on Facebook about the, the rookie quarterbacks and Lamar Jackson having this incredible record as a starting quarterback. And I'm sitting here going, he is not the reason that they're winning. <laughs> that defense is outstanding. You're right. That that's just incredible what they're doing there. And it they are really- a team that nobody wants to play in the playoffs. I can tell you that. Yeah, it really reminds me of a, a better version of these, uh, those Tebow teams where they are playing an offense that is just smash mouth and really just draining the clock. Like you, the possessions are, there's so limited possessions in those games and then letting the defense take over. But it's a more so extent because that defense is better and Lamar Jackson's better. So that's, that's kind of what it reminds me of. But I, I right. agree with you. It's complimentary football. Right. But uh, no, you're right. This this Chargers team, and it's always amazing. It's it's uh, very much a what have you done for me lately league. Yeah. And so they lose, and everybody goes, "Oh, these Chargers, they are they're nothing. They're they're trash." I'm going. They just beat the Chiefs the week before. In Arrowhead. <laughs> yeah, in Arrowhead. So it just it's kind of how the league goes sometimes, especially when the top teams are playing each other. And it was kind of, I mean, that was an emotional game. They're playing the the Chiefs. And it's hard to have that same emotion come into the next game. And so it doesn't really surprise me that they lost, but they, they are. They're still a very, very good team. I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast before that they are an underrated roster. And I mean, most any other division, they would be the top team in the division. They just happen to have the Chiefs in their division. But you look at the weapons, like I said, Keenan Allen's a little bit hobbled, but he's still. Very, very good receiver. Mike Williams is really becoming a huge weapon for them. I, I've yeah. I've talked about it on here before of how much I did not like him as a player. It wasn't because I didn't think he'd be a good receiver. It's just I never saw him as a top-tier number one receiver. And that's where the, the Chargers took him. Yeah. And he, he is, but he's a, a touchdown machine. And that's he what is, I thought he would be. He is just an absolute phenomenal jump ball kid. Right. I mean, his ability to go up and get it and contort his body. We talk about Cortland Sutton being that, but Mike Williams is a better version of that. Let's, I mean, let's call it what it is, at least at this point. (laughs) And see, that's what I saw. I saw Cortland Sutton as a little bit more athletic version of Mike Williams, but not quite the jump ball version of Mike Williams. And so I'd rather have Cortland Sutton than Mike Williams just because I think Cortland Sutton can be a little bit more all around kind of receiver. But again, Mike Williams, when you get to the red zone, he's about unstoppable. I mean, you just throw it up and this guy's going to be the one that comes down with it. And really, I think the, the chargers probably have the most diverse weaponry of any team in the NFL. You've talked about it before of uh, wide receivers. If you want that basketball kind of mentality of you, you got your point guard, you got your, your shooting guard, you got your big man that can jump up and make plays. And they have all of that. I mean, yeah. they got their all-around guy in Keenan Williams or Keenan Allen, sorry, 
Uh, Tyrell Williams is their big speed guy. Travis Benjamin brings speed. Mike Williams is their big man up up in the middle. It's just it's a fun group to watch. And if they had Hunter Henry, <laughs> this I'm might... sorry, I was waiting for the joke, man. If you weren't going to say it, like the guy you need to watch out for this week, <laughs> Hunter Henry, how Al. Wilson matches up against Hunter Henry could determine this game. <laughs> we need to bring I, I thought Brian about Hawkins. it. I know. Oh man, man. I really thought about saying it, but I mean, again, that was a big injury for them. And, yeah, it was. and I mean, I, I can't imagine, especially the red zone with that kind of weaponry. Oh my goodness. And then you throw in, they've had a pretty good offensive line, not the best offensive line, but I mean, it's, it's a serviceable offensive line quarterback helps and, a lot. Yeah, Philip Rivers, he's having one of his best years of his career, if not his best year. Melvin Gordon is really rounding out his game. He's not just a big receiving or a big big play kind of threat. He's an actual all-around running back for them. It's just, it is. It's a tough team to really match up against, especially on that offense. And then they play very good complementary football with that defense because they have great pass rushers once that offense gets a lead and they can really attack you. Yeah, you said it, but you you know you talked about the offense. I won't go too too far on that. Although I do really think that Russell Okung was a guy that the Broncos, in hindsight, shouldn't have let walk. Maybe because of his contract, his injury history. I I don't know. Maybe maybe they should have. But I thought he was dogged for issues that were well beyond him. And you know he's played very well over there in. Los Angeles slash San Diego when he's over there. So, yeah, I'm um, moving on to the defense for myself here. You touched on it. These pass rushers, the, the Chargers are kind of weak up the middle. But on the edges, on the defensive line and in cornerback, they're pretty talented. You know, you got Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Joey Bosa, healthy. He's been all season. Uh, coming back from an injury, Melvin Ingram, very underrated pass rusher. They make probably the – they're one of the top three edge rushing duos in the NFL. It's either them, the Broncos, or the the Texans. And I pick your poison either. Any of those would be good picks, but then they got secondary that the Broncos just do not have. They have obviously Desmond King, who's a punt returner and kick returner for them. Very talented. He's plays that slot position. He can kind of play some overhang as well, kind of a safety spot, but he is really talented. You know, I didn't know he didn't run the best 40, but that dude's a football player. He finds the ball. You got to watch out for him. Casey Hayward, he's not having the best season for them, but he's very talented on the outside. He's a true cornerback, number one, a top 15-level cornerback, and he's been playing good football there. And then, obviously, the guy who brings it all together is Derwin James, still my pick for the defensive rookie of the year. Just an absolute freak. I mean, is he playing cornerback? Is he playing edge rusher? Is he a linebacker? Is he a free safety? Is he a box safety? Is he playing a cover two, cover one, man coverage, zone coverage? I mean, Derwin James can literally – do it all. He's an absolute freak, and he just makes this entire defense tick with those edge rushers in front of him. But they are kind of soft at the middle. I mean, there's been talk about the the Chargers, if they're going anywhere this year, obviously the chance for a quarterback, etc. if they want to go there. Although with Justin Herbert returning, that may not be the best decision because this quarterback class looks worse by the day. But up the middle of this defense is not great. Darius Fillon uh, is not great. You got uh, Brandon Mil- Mebane, who's older guy. You played on that Seahawks team. Big guy, but just really lacks talent. Justin Jones, they drafted last year. But, you know, d- defensive tackle is a position they're just not very talented at. And then linebacker. You got Uchenna Nwosu, who kind of plays edge rusher linebacker. Not not great. They did lose Denzel Perryman, which hurt them a lot. But, I mean, still. Yeah, Kyle Emanuel, not played great for them. And then Chavis Brown, 
is a fun player, a lot of energy, but very small and can get washed away. Almost one of those safety linebacker hybrids where if he didn't play kind of in that, that weak side chase linebacker role, he would not really have a spot. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good team. I think it's a well-rounded team. I am still pretty surprised. They lost 22 to 10 to the Ravens. Uh, give credit to the Ravens, uh, especially that defense there. I mean, Zadarius Smith, I think is one of the top three players in the NFL and quarterback hits this year. Like, did you know that Zadarius Smith has been killing it? <laughs> if you would ask me who are the top three guys, I would not have said his name for sure. Yeah. I think he's going to be a free agent this year. I remember him coming out. He was the pass rusher that was less heralded on the opposite side of Bud Dupree coming out that year. If you recall the, those Kentucky edge rushers. Yep. So yeah, he's a, uh, he's been killing it for him. I remember watching them a couple games and he's been great. Anyway, we're talking about the Ravens now, bring it, bring it back to the chargers, but yeah, no, it's, it's a pretty good team. Um, I, think they probably will not be you on know, the chiefs are playing the, the Raiders. So it'd be awesome if the Raiders can beat the chiefs because that would push the Raiders down even further down the draft, which I'm all about, but I think it probably the, the chiefs will win. And that means the Chargers will be the team, unfortunately with the fifth seed in the AFC. And that would have them. Gosh, who knows what that means? They could be playing the Texans. They could be playing the Patriots. They could be playing the Steelers, they could be playing the, the Ravens. Like, <laughs> who knows? But AFC is still up in, up in the air as far as the playoff seedings go. But Chargers are a good team. Roster's good. They've had some injuries. You know, still could add some pieces. And they're missing Hunter Henry. Melvin Gordon's been injured, et cetera, et cetera. But pretty good team. Pretty darn good team. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We've said that a lot this year. There, There's just a lot of good teams the Broncos have played. I mean, they're they're playing some of the better divisions in in football right now, and I mean that just and most of them have a quarterback. That's the main thing. When you got a guy like Philip Rivers, as much as we talked about last time when we played him, it, it's uh we don't dislike him. It, there's a level of respect, I guess, for yeah. his his uh, energy and attitude, and just I mean, the guy never quits. No. Absolutely never quits. And so you, you got to have a little bit of respect for what he does. Yeah. Yeah, no, you you got to be right there. All right, well, we're not actually going to get too much into the statistics um, this week, but we can get into some key matchups here for the, the this game. And number one for me, I'm going to be really watching Bradley Chubb and Von Miller when they, when they play, but mainly Bradley Chubb. And I'm curious to see if he can – I don't think he's going to break the sack record. I don't think it's going to happen. If there was, there was a week, it was probably last week where he really needed to make a notch in it and it just didn't happen, which, I mean, what can you do when they're controlling the flow of the game like that and your offense is just absolutely putrid and you're not really getting given much of a chance to rush the quarterback because your team is automatically behind. So, But I'm watching Bradley Chubb this week going up against Russell Okung, one of the better left tackles in football, and I'm hoping that he can come away with at least one sack. I don't think he's going to win rookie defensive rookie of the year. But he's going to be up there, and he's still a one of the key pieces, the core piece for this team going forward. And we, if there's anything you should take away from the season, I, I even think even more than Phil Lindsay, I think we should be excited about Bradley Chubb playing opposite of Von Miller. I think that's that's the best takeaway I have for this season. Yeah, I, I think one of the the key matchups for me in this one is going to be the the rookie receivers against this good secondary. If they can match what they did this last week. I'll be very, very excited about what they can bring next year. Uh, this is a much better secondary than what the Raiders had for sure. But they, like I said, they've been improving every week. And uh, I'm interested to see how they handle this uptick and and playing some of these, like you said, Desmond King, 
the guy is one of the more underrated cornerbacks in football right now. And of course, Derwin James, Casey Hayward. I mean, this is a really good secondary. So if they can make some plays against this group, I mean, it's it definitely bodes well for the next season. Good pick, good pick. We'll do, I'll do another one here. Then you, I'll give you another one. Uh, the Broncos edge rush, Broncos not edge rushers. The Chargers edge rushers versus the Broncos tackles again. Kind of looking at the other same position again, but on the other side, Joey Bosa and. Melvin Ingram, I mean, like I said earlier, one of the best edge-rushing duos in the NFL. Both those guys can get after the quarterback, and Case Keenum is looking like he's seeing ghosts. Yeah, part of this is because the offense Musgrave is running, where he's running a lot of vertical concepts and not really using Keenum to his strengths, but still, it's a good chance to assess the talent of these guys, and it's another test for Garrett Bowles, who's had just quite the gauntlet down the stretch. I still don't think, you know, he's not a, he's not a top tier offensive tackle for sure. But I think he's emerging as a top 30 offensive tackle when you include right tackles and left tackles. And this is just another huge test for him. I mean, he's really, he's really had some serious tests the second half of the season. And for the most part, he's held up. So this is a big game for him, Ingram and Bosa. And I'm also interested to see Valdir on the opposite side. If they do decide to play him, maybe they're going to do some shifting around to protect some of these older guys. But Valdir, I think he's played admirably at right tackle. And I'm interested to see how he plays. And if he's a guy that is he worth bringing back next year, I'm going to let the market decide that. I don't really have a strong opinion on that yet. But he's definitely one to watch. And he's an option. And he's been the best right tackle the Broncos have had in a while, a long while. He hasn't been great by any means. But he's been solid. And he's been a solidifying presence over there at right tackle. All right. Well, I'm going to go just because more I, I want to see Booker and, and Freeman and what they can do now that Philip Lindsay's gone. I mean, can one of these guys really emerge as that that number two option for the Broncos moving forward? And I mean, it, obviously Freeman, he was looking better earlier in the year. You talked about that earlier, and so far hasn't looked as good since the injury. Can he really step up in this game? Because I'm guessing he's going to be the starter. I'm guessing. I, I mean, I haven't heard them announce that quite yet or not. But but again, and Booker, I mean, he's. Showing well. Is this a guy that can really show that he's upped his game to that next level that the Broncos were thinking when they, they got him? That maybe he's starting to finally get some vision in his running and can be that great third down option for the Broncos moving forward because right now they, they absolutely need that. And yeah. I mean, especially Keenum with how much he's been under pressure, it's nice to have that little outlet where he can go make a guy miss in the open field and, and pick up a tough first down for the Broncos because they, they need somebody to get, that can make a play. Philip Lindsay was that guy. They, they depended on him for the big play. And with him gone, who is that guy that's going to step up and be that guy? Yeah, interesting, interesting indeed. All right, well, we're going to move on now, and we're actually going to talk a little bit of NFL draft. And the Broncos right now, they sit with the 12th overall pick in the draft. They could move all the way up to seven. They're probably not likely they need a lot of things to to go their way f- for that to happen. Um, but there's a strong chance that they could finish the top 10 pick. And I think that would be a very good thing for them. Obviously, it's not a top five pick. There's a difference between five and 10. That's gigantic. I mean, just look at the, the draft trade chart, how much it would cost to move from 10 to five. It's worth, I think, a second round pick. So that's that's a pretty pretty valuable player, actually. So that's that's a big difference, but still picking the difference between picking what they could be, you know, I think it's as low as 17 if they win and a lot of those teams underneath them lose. So hopefully the Broncos, you know, can maybe get in that top 10 spot and have a look at some players here. Um, but yeah. So who are, who are some players right now 
at 10. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but it's worth coming back to, especially because we're going to be talking about it a lot going forward. Who are some players at 10 that you're looking forward to? And who are some that you are just very apprehensive about at that pick? Well, I mean, if we're talking quarterback, Dwayne Haskins is really the only guy there at 10 that I would be really okay with. Yeah. I Behind him, I mean, I, I like Drew Locke, but not at 10. Yeah. I, I think that would be a, a big mistake for the Broncos if they decided to go that direction. I, I just, oh, that would that would really bother me. Uh, the inside linebackers kind of depends if they come out or not. Devin White is another guy that I, I'm a little bit apprehensive yeah. just because he's more athlete than he is finished product. Yeah. So, I mean, this past year, one of the great things the Broncos did was they've they drafted a lot of very technical further along in their, their development kind of guys. Yeah. And Devin White kind of goes against that kind of mindset. Uh, Raekwon Davis is another that I'd be pretty apprehensive about. Yeah. I don't think he's a first round. I don't know if I'll give him a first round grade just because his pass rushing ability is so low. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you there guys. I'd really love Deontay Thompson. We talked about him that on the last show, just a, a guy that can really take over the middle of that defense and on the back end and just be a, a huge playmaker for him. I think he is one of those guys. I don't really have many concerns other than maybe sometimes with Alabama players, they get overworked and so they have injuries. But beyond that, I think he will be a huge playmaker. Jonah he's Williams. first-year starter. Yeah. So oh, yeah. He would first be. first-year starter. <laughs> uh, if we decide to, to move on from – uh, from the tackle position, we don't get anybody in free agency. Jonah Williams is another guy that I have no questions about. Yeah. I know you've heard some things about teams thinking about moving him inside. I, I'm keeping him a tackle. I mean, he's just yeah. one of the most technically sound tackles that has come out in probably the last, what, five, seven years? Nah, maybe. I don't know. There's some pretty – like Ronnie Stanley came in and was pretty damn good immediately. Yeah, but he'd be he'd be right in there. Yeah, for me. And so he's another guy that I think could maybe be there at 10. And I, I you just plug and play him. I mean, he, he's going to start for you. Yeah. And you could either choose to put him there at right tackle because he played right tackle for Alabama and did great for him when he was when he was a freshman. And or you can plug him in a left tackle, maybe move Bulls over. I don't really like that idea. I'd rather move Williams over to, to right tackle. But th- those are some guys that really stick out. I mean, if you obviously get some of the top guys, Ed Oliver, if he follows, falls, I have no questions about him. I-, I think he'll be a special player. If he's there at 10, you run to the podium. Yeah. And I'm I'm torn a little bit. I mean, Greedy Williams is kind of one of those middle guys for me. I feel like his – what I've heard about work ethic and stuff and based on the Broncos' change in draft philosophy about drafting – team leaders and high floor players. It makes me think that greedy Williams is not going to be as high on their board at, at least in the top 10. Yeah. Just, I don't think any cornerback in this draft class will be right. No, I, I agree. So him at 10, I'd be a little leery about, like you said, just wondering some of the work ethic things, but uh, otherwise, I mean, some of the other guys, uh, I can't think of anybody else that really sticks out that I'd really want there at 10. Do you have one for me? Well, I have one that stands out to me that you did not say that I love his game and I think he could be a special player, and that is defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. He does have that off-field issue that he had before he came to Mississippi State, but since then he's been a community leader, an academic All-American, 
And it's something that he's going to have to answer for. And you're going to, you're going to hear about it 10,000 times as we come to the draft. But I think he's a top five, top 10 level player and he could play three technique, one technique, zero technique, uh, maybe even some four and five if you need to, but he is just such a physical force on the inside. And I've, I haven't seen a defensive lineman double and triple teamed as much as I've seen him. And he's still, I mean, when that happens, he's smart enough to not just kind of get beaten and kind of fall down. He will watch the play. He'll get his arms up. I think he had to be one of the leaders in pass breakups for defensive linemen this year because he batted down a lot of balls. But he'll also read the plays and then chase down screens. I mean, he feels it right away when those offensive linemen kind of slip past him. He's like, oh, this is too easy. And then you see him get next to that running back. I I mean, at some point in the NFL, he's going to pick off a screen pass because he was close on a few of them this year. So Jeffrey Simmons would be my other one. I I can't disagree with you, though. I mean, if, if we could get Ed Oliver or Jeffrey Simmons round one, and then get a cornerback round two. Or maybe, I don't know, Bryce Hall is one that comes to mind. That would be absolutely incredible. And I'm, maybe that'll happen. Maybe I'm just dreaming right now, but that's <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. That would that would be my dream. I would love, love one of those two defensive linemen. And, you know, people be like, oh, well, Broncos need quarterback. Broncos need cornerback. Well, you guess what? This team is more than a quarterback or a cornerback away, unless that quarterback's Peyton Manning, which guess what, guys? <laughs> That's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Right. And, well, and it's So many people forget there's more beyond the first round. Yeah, that too. that too. I mean, and there's going to be a lot that's going on in free agency. The Broncos are going to have a ton of money. So when we're sitting here talking about some of these players and saying, oh, why didn't they go after quarterback? Why aren't you talking about the quarterbacks more? Or uh, what other – any other position that people just go, we have to have this uh, cornerback. You mentioned that that's going to be a big one that people are like, you have to draft that position. No, that, that's how you find your team in absolute trouble. Yep. If you get so locked in, we have to draft, draft this one position, no matter what kind of talent is there compared to the other talented other positions. Like I said, you're just setting yourself up for absolute trouble. And I, I'm not one that wants to, fall into that the Broncos went with best players this last draft and I mean look what they got they, they have a lot of starters a lot of guys that they can build around this was absolutely their best draft class since 2011 with Vaughn Miller and it just it, it can help spring forward this team moving forward and if they can put two drafts together in a row that's how you build an incredible depth that can even take a quarterback like Case Keenum and make him at least serviceable enough to make them a playoff contender. So like you said, if they can get uh, a Jeffrey Simmons and Ed Oliver and then a a starting level cornerback in the second round, because I think that's where maybe you're going to find more value cornerback wise there in the second round than the compared to the first round. Yeah. And, or you can go get a guy in free agency, whatever, something there. And that defense all of a sudden becomes a force. I mean, You've talked about your boy, Chris, uh, Chris Jones. Oh, my God. You get a Chris Jones kind of. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I have to mention, but I mean, that's what I'm kind of picturing with Ed Oliver or Jeffrey Simmons. You get that kind of talent in between our pass rushers and quarterbacks. I mean, they're just sitting there going, what are we doing? Yeah, We we stand no chance. You can't block all three of them. You don't have to send blitzes because you got three guys that, that they can't double. And it just, it, 
you get this defense back to uh, maybe I don't think you can get it back to the 2015 level. That's the top five just defense one. all time. Right, exactly. Like that's, people keep saying, well, we won the 2015 draft with a bad offense. Like, well, it's point to me how many times you have a top five defense all time. Like right. That's, that's but I mean, Sorry, you can like, win a lot of games. I mean, you talked about it with the, the Ravens this year. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is not a great quarterback. No. They have some weapons on offense. They have a pretty good offensive line. But beyond that, there, there's not much there. That defense is carrying that team. And the Broncos can have that again where what, what's a great way to to go up against some of these great offenses that the Broncos have to face in the AFC West especially? Get yourself a great defense. Make those quarterbacks uncomfortable. Specifically pass rush. Right, exactly. And you got enough to hold up on the back end just enough to give them time to get there. And it's – it's a good time for, to be a Bronco fan. So, I mean, it, it's, again, you can't just get left, locked on to, to one position. No. But I have a draft question for you then. Okay. So, I mean, just thinking about the most important position, the quarterback, and I think you're with me that Dwayne Haskins is probably the one guy that's worth anything in this draft, uh, at least thinking that he could be a future big-time quarterback. I think I do think Locke has potential. I really do, but I think he has potential in the same vein that I thought Paxton Lynch had potential. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that if the Broncos ended up taking it, taking him, I would talk myself into him because, you know, honestly, I cheer for this team. I have to. Right. But on the outside looking in right now, there are so many fatal flaws in his game that if you're taking him top 10, I am crapping my pants scared. You <laughs> yeah. know, like I am just like, oh my God, please don't take, like going in the draft, just please don't take lock. Just don't make me have to, to go through that. Cause I just, I, 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 my gut tells me no, you know, yeah. like I just, I just, I don't see it. Yeah. If he, if he's there at the back end of round one. Oh, absolutely. Then I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, if we trade up and get this guy because yeah. I think he's worth that kind of risk. Yeah. But yeah, top at 10, especially with some of the players that are in this draft that could be there at 10. He's going top 10. He is. He's going to go top 10 with Justin Herbert. Gone I, now. He I, it's true. That's true. But is, is Dwayne Haskins one of those guys that's worth trading up for? I think he is, but I think the cost from trading up from 10 to probably two, I think it'd probably be two, might be too high because of the uncertainty factor with Haskins. I mean, he still does have just one good year of tape, one year of tape, period. And there's a chance that this could be an aberration. I mean, you got you want to bank on the tools and you got to see the guy on the whiteboard and everything like that as that process leads up. But still, there's some questions there. There's some concerns. So he is my quarterback one. And if the trade is there to move up, I would be definitely interested in doing it. But it all comes down to the price. And I can't tell you right now what price would be too high or what price would be too right. But I can tell you that there are enough, again, enough concerns. There are enough questions in his game that... I, again, I'd be a little bit apprehensive. I think your best bet, as painful as this would be, and something that I don't know if the fans, let alone, or John Elway, let alone the fans have patience to do, but perhaps your best bet would be just to take the board, go best player available this year, and look towards the 2020 class that looks much better at quarterback, much deeper, much more talented, many more options, rather than Dwayne Haskins Tier 1, nothing at Tier 2, Drew Lock Tier 3, nothing at Tier 4, and then... <laughs> Greer, Jones, Ripien, etc. So, yeah, I'm. I 
is that sorry did i interrupt you was that your question did i answer well, no that, that is my okay. question is just okay. how much is he worth trading up for is he even a guy that's worth trading up for it would depend I mean, on the price it, it would depend where we're picking but i mean for me it, if i'm making that decision that i'm trading up into the top five for a quarterback i'm only doing that if i see this guy as a top five receiver in the nfl Receiver. Oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. Receiver. Sorry. Quarterback. Quarterback. Sorry. <laughs> He's I, real I, good. Have, I always have receiver on the mind. You know yeah, that. Yeah, I know. And, uh, but do I see that in Dwayne Haskins? <sighs> and I, I'm on the edge because there's things that he does. That I sit here and say, I can see, I can see signs of like a Ben Roethlisberger in, in certain aspects. And I mean, just the way that he can move in the pocket, the way he has, he can shake guys off he's not the most athletic guy, but he can do enough with his legs more. His legs are there to buy him time in the pocket. He can be accurate on pretty much to every single level. He's got obviously enough arm talent to, to be a a good guy. He improved as the season went on. I mean, a lot. Yeah. Improved a lot. And I've heard a lot of really good things about just the work that he does on the whiteboard. I mean, I've been hearing teammates love him too. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of really good positives about this guy. But like you said, there's enough negatives that just oh, I would be excited if the Broncos traded up and got him. Yeah, but I would still have a little bit of hesitation going, oh, my gosh. I mean, does this set us back for the next three, four years? I mean, that's that's always the risk you're taking, obviously, when you're taking a quarterback, especially when you're trading up and giving up future assets to have to get up there because you're going to have to give up another first round pick. Yeah, that, that it's just a matter of are you giving up three first round picks to get him. Yeah, I like I said, there's a price where it's too much, and you're going to be competing with the Jags. You're going to be competing with the Giants. Hopefully, maybe I don't know. I don't know what, what I want at this point. <laughs> Honestly, do I want those teams to win so they just take them out of the Broncos' hands and just they don't even have a chance to do it, or do I want them to lose so the Broncos have that option? But am I gonna? Am I concerned that they're going to make the wrong choice? I don't know at this point. <laughs> I really don't know. It's such a uh, a dilemma, I guess, on this end. But we'll see. I, I do agree with you, though. Haskins is the guy that I would be okay doing that. I would have been okay doing that at Herbert. I would be so apprehensive about Locke if you're trading up to get him. Yeah. So, but like um, you said, it, it's he does remind me a lot of things with, with Paxton Lynch that I loved, that I fell in love with, and I've learned my lesson. Yeah. It really would be a matter of I mean, Paxton Lynch's main problem was just his work ethic. Yeah. The, the guy could have been something if he decided he wanted to work at the game. And I don't know if he had the brains to actually be a top-tier quarterback. I mean, that's always been a big question with him, too. With Drew Locke, those are going to be the things, if I'm the Broncos, I'm sitting here saying, I have to ask these questions. I have to make sure I know this guy's going to be the hardest worker in the locker room. Yeah. All those kind of things. Because otherwise, I'm sitting there saying, nope. See you later. Somebody else can have fun with that. Yep. Yeah, and I don't I don't disagree. I'm just really <clears throat> while I'm apprehensive about Locke, I've definitely been on the up with him as the seasons progressed because hey, he's played better as the seasons progressed. I'm just very happy that the early midseason hype on Will Greer and Daniel Jones is not there right now. <laughs> because that's one of those things, you know, you see here people talking about these players and, you know, th- throwing out the, the stats, which is the worst throwing out the stats. And I like go and watch the tape and I'm like, gosh, I just do not see it with these guys. And now that they're kind of, we're getting to the point where NFL teams are putting out their, 
their opinions through a lot of the media people, those guys are starting to get pushed down a little bit. So that means that I'm not completely off bases. That's, that's, that's what counts. <laughs> so we'll see. All right. Well, looking at the, uh, we should get out of here in a second, but looking at the, the mock draftable tankathon, um, not the mock draft, but the tankathon mock draft. They had the Broncos picking 12th right now. Got them taking Drew Locke. So the Broncos don't trade up and Drew Locke falls in the lap and they take him. You know what? So be it. I probably, there's probably going to be somebody on the board I'd rather have, but picking at 12, that's probably about what it is. So we will see. Uh, any parting thoughts before you want to get out of here? No, I think we've kind of covered it and we'll, we'll get more into this. We'll start looking beyond first round and, and start giving you a little more details on a lot of these guys. I'm, I'm excited to get into these conversations. You and I both. Yeah. This is this is what we wait for. As yeah. much as we love the season and and hope for the Broncos to do well, this is uh, this is what gets us up in the morning. I mean, we've been talking about it since last April. <laughs> Let's be real. Yep. If so. people only saw some of our conversations. <laughs> All right. Well, before we do get out, prediction on the game. On the game, I, I'm gonna go Chargers. 27, Broncos 17. All right. I'm going to go Chargers 30, Broncos 20. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at CarlDelmerMHH and myself at KennelMHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to talk the news, but an in-depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, and now with the draft coming up, everything that pertains to your Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building of the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter, at Huddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.